Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to Football Focus SG Podcast with myself. I'm Faiz, will be the host for our first ever episode. And with me, I have a very amazing special guest. He's a former uh, Singapore professional football player playing for Tampines Rovers. Coming up from the uh, academy before that. And his name is Hairun Nasri Hanafi. Welcome to the show, Hairun Nasri Hanafi. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello everyone. Uh, it's good to be here and uh, please stay tuned for future episodes as well uh, for the uh, Football Focus as you podcast with. Alright, okay. So what do we want to bring actually in this podcast? Can you share with us uh, the idea and how do we actually want to share this podcast to across all the viewers, especially the locals around it? Okay, so uh, I think the through the discussion that both of us have, uh, the idea of this podcast is for us to share our thoughts on uh, not only Singapore football but uh, football across the globe, uh, as far as we can reach and as uh, as uh, for all the football that are going on around the world, whatever that we can reach, we want to try and speak about it. So I think in gist, that's what we're trying to do now. That's good, that's good. Alright, so I'm going to share yeah. a bit of myself. I'm Faiz, I've been watching football since 1999. Somewhere there, when, when Dennis Bergkamp and all, you know, his glory in Arsenal before he joined also, I remember. And yeah, I am Arsenal fan. See? <laughs> Forever Arsenal, no matter how shit they are this season, right? Yeah, so, um, yes, I support Arsenal since around 2000 as well. And in terms of local football-wise, uh, football knowledge-wise, I do watch a lot of football, I play a lot of football, every day I talk about football. So I would say my knowledge is pretty decent, I would say. Even though I'm not a football player, but off the pitch, I'm very decent with the knowledge of the pitch. <laughs> so yeah, uh, over to you, Aaron share with us a bit like who do you support and how you get into football. Okay, uh, I'll try to make it as brief as possible. I started football seriously uh, at the age of 15 uh, in secondary school. Of course, uh, in primary school, I do play football, but I was more in the track and field. Uh, in secondary school, I transitioned into football seriously, starting at the age of 15. And uh, I would say I uh, started my professional term in football from the age of 15 up till 23. I decided to stop after achieving what I felt was what I set out to do. And then I went and transitioned into the civil servant uh, line for five years, for an odd five years. And then I came back into football. Now I'm doing coaching. Um, I grew up supporting Manchester United. Uh, but of late, with whatever that is happening around the club, uh, I decided. And partly also, after transitioning into becoming a coach, uh, I soon realized that it is difficult for me to keep my loyalties to one club. Uh, because rather than watching as a coach, I feel it is a need for me not only to watch one team, yeah. I need to watch as many teams as possible. And by doing so, the love for United somehow fade away uh, with whatever that is ongoing, the club, uh, board of directors, chairmen and whatnot, the way they are treating managers and players, I don't think it's right. So the love for United fade away. And for uh, local football, uh, uh, from the local football context, uh, I started watching uh, football, live football at Tamil Stadium, the old Tamil Stadium. I grew up loving Tamil Rovers, 
and it's a huge privilege of mine to be given the opportunity to represent my neighborhood team or my state team Tampines. It is uh, something that I'm forever grateful for. I managed to, I turned out for them from the age of 15 to 16 and then I got transitioned into the NFA setup, the National Football Academy. Then after the age of 19, I went back to Tampines, finished four years over there, uh, made my uh, S-League debut, made my AFC uh, Cup debut and those are memories that shall not be taken away from me and I'm very happy. That's a little bit or two about my experiences and my part uh, in for Singapore. Yep. That is such a wonderful experience about what you have. Yeah. We will definitely yeah, yeah. Uh, hear more about your football experiences as we go by throughout this podcast from today and many, many more to come. So, of course, um, like what you mentioned earlier, you were Manchester United fan. And somehow, as of late, you have somewhat transitioned to a general football fan. So, true. Very true. So, of course, we are starting our first ever podcast exactly when most of the leagues have ended. So, we're definitely going to talk about a bit of a season review. Uh, of course, we have to talk about the biggest league, pretty much the biggest league, English Premier League. So, what do you think? Tell me more. How do you feel about the Premier League this season, especially with the pandemic that's going on, on and off the field, all the, all the craziness that's happened? Especially between the Super League announced during the season. It has been a hectic season. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to speak so much about the uh, idea of the European Super League. Yeah, we'll, we'll get another day of topic for that. But this is just yeah. summarize of everything that happened during the season. Correct. Correct, correct. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a topic for another day. Yeah. Uh, to summarize the English Premier League, uh, I feel... Uh, you have to remember when I speak, I'm speaking as a fan slash as a football coach. Yeah, and uh, the opinions that I put out are of my own. I feel somehow the, e- the EPL season, this, the one that just concluded, is not as, uh, I won't say competitive, but it's not as quality as the previous season, yeah. I feel. I think uh, consistency has been poor for some team, even the champions. Yeah. I mean, City didn't started off well. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool had a bad season. Uh, of course, their manager claimed it's because they have Virgil van Dijk. I don't think should even be the reason. Yeah. Um, uh, United inconsistent as well. Uh, Leicester winning the FA Cup but not making it to the Champions League. Yeah. Chelsea the second making season it in the, the, the top four in the last day, which is a very concerning yeah. sign for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chelsea, uh, with Mr. Tuchel coming over, had a turnaround. But I felt even if uh, Frank Lampard were to stay on, I think they would have still gotten top four. Um, yeah, I think they would still have gotten top four. Uh, the way the, the football they were being played. Again, I think the reason why they let go of him is because of inconsistencies. Yeah. Again, yeah, definitely, right? Definitely. Uh, but uh, those are the top four teams. To summarize, if, if, if there's a way for me to summarize it up, I think it was a bit of an up and down season for the whole league uh, because inconsistencies, but again, that's expected due to the pandemic uh, where things were the stop start. Um, but yeah, compared to previous seasons, I think the EPL season this year 
wasn't that much of a high standard compared to the past one. Alright, yeah. and okay, in terms of um, before the start of the season, were you actually expecting Manchester City to win straight away and was the champion and the relegation was kind of expected over your prediction? I'm sure you have some prediction before then for this. Yeah, um, I, 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 uh, funnily enough, uh, I predicted, uh, I, I put some thought to it. I didn't think Liverpool were, I didn't think Liverpool had a chance to retain that title. Yeah. Uh, in all honesty, yeah. because I felt. I think a lot of people uh, kind of think Manchester City will challenge yeah. them again. But yeah, you know, we, we didn't expect that. Yeah, with with Pep Guardiola at the helm of Manchester City, and you know, with all the good things that he have done at the club and yeah. the players that they brought in, yeah. I think. They are, uh, I, I, uh, I won't say confirmed winners, but I will put them with, the, I, I don't want to speak about money, but with the quality that they have, with the manager that they have in the team, they have to aim for first place finish yeah. uh, for yeah. all the seasons moving forward, yeah? yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 in my head, I had Manchester City winning the league, and I had the bottom three clubs, I think, pretty much there for relegation right from the start to the end yep yeah especially uh, like Sheffield United who was performing really well last season and really followed really badly and after Chris Wilder leaving Sheffield United they never seemed to get to get a proper replacement and to salvage as well they did manage to get some wins along the way but they followed yeah. really really bad compared last season um, as well as uh, Fulham and West Brom, both newly promoted, will be going down to the Champions League, except for one, and that's Leeds, who managed to make to the top 10 in their first ever season. What do you think about Leeds making their first season in the Premier League after 16 years in the Championship, and now they reach to the Premier League, having to reach in the top 10, similar like how Sheffield United did in the first season? Um, I think with Leeds, uh, I was actually paying a little bit of attention to them when they were in the championship. Uh, again, they have a brilliant coach in uh, Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, he's the mentor to he's a mentor to Pep Guardiola. Yeah, he's a mentor to a lot of the top coaches in the world. And uh, you know, and, and and I felt with him being at Leeds and with the record that he have, he doesn't win a lot of titles. Yeah, let's uh, yeah, not kid around. He doesn't win a lot, but what you get from Mr. Bielsa is uh, you get him pushing the players to the max. Yeah. And I thought, uh, and he has this history where he pushes his players to the max, but they could only run for two or three seasons. At, at max, two seasons before they start to fall off. Yeah. Yeah. I was relatively quite surprised that they managed to, you know, maintain their consistency. And I think they were consistent throughout the entire season. They were one of the few teams that were consistent. Consistent, when I say consistent for Leeds, I mean, you know, there are matches that you expect them to win, they win. The matches that you expect them to falter, they falter. But to finish in the top 10, first season back, I think it's a good good, good job done to the coaching staff and also the players. And uh, if, 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 if we want to talk about next season, I think... I don't want to put it too high where they should finish in top 6 but I think maintaining it as a top 10 team will do just fine for yeah, them. Yeah, but um, I'm sure you heard a lot of people like to say the word uh, second season syndrome. That's exactly why I put it yeah. United. So do you think Leeds might struggle next season? 
Oh, that's a tough question. And, and, and uh, just saying earlier on about uh, record that uh, Sabiasa has with the team, yeah. second and third season, they will start to falter because players get tired with the way that he trains them. Right? Yeah, it's full intensity and it's top. You know, it draws out huge efforts from the players. Will they struggle? Mm. You know, I I I I want to say that they still remain a top ten team, but I won't be surprised if they falter. Will they falter all the way down to relegation? I don't think so. Yeah, probably yeah. It will be yeah. like somewhere between ten to seventeen area. Ten. Yeah. Kind of like 10 how Crystal Palace has been moving on to really yeah. appreciate yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, they they'll be they'll be somewhat like a Crystal Palace. Yeah, but to compare them, they're two different sides. Yeah, they they will be somewhere between ten to fifteen. I feel for next season. All right, all right. Okay, so we're gonna yeah. try to stick on talking about the clubs in English Premier League before we move on to the players of the Premier League. So, give us your thoughts of two things: the biggest surprise team of this season and the biggest underachieving club this season. So for me, uh, if I were to give mine first. I would say underachieving most would be definitely Arsenal. As an Arsenal fan, I know it's affecting me the most, especially. Uh, the problem with Arsenal, I actually feel, is that Ateta has the potential, regardless. Same thing as Lampard, same thing as Ole. All these younger generation managers will know how to relate younger players much more well as how an experienced manager like Bielsa is. But can they bring the best out of the players? Something like Bielsa yeah. and what Klopp and Pep Guardiola do, Lampard failed to do that in Chelsea. Ole, well, the first few seasons may be tough, but this season they seem to hit well after that one signing. And then Ateta, I watched Arsenal throughout the season. Um, there are a few rookie inexperienced mistakes, like example putting William as a false nine forward. I don't know why Chelsea never used him as a forward, but Ateta using him as a forward, which brings a lot of questions. So Arsenal is definitely, definitely one of the underachieving this season. Next to Arsenal, I would say Everton, considering the amount they spend, the manager they have is world class. I'm very, very disappointed they didn't fight for top six at all. They were only fighting for the seven for the Conference League at the final day, which they got trashed by Man City 5 nil on the final day. So again, brings another question for Everton and their project over how are they going to move forward, considering they finished the same as how they were last season. You know, yeah. bigger surprise, uh, West Ham. Clearly, West Ham the clear winners of the biggest overachieving this season. David Moyes did such a great job, and yeah. they, and with that being said, even before Jesse Lingard coming in, West Ham was. Already in the top ten, somewhat consistent, and I thought during the December Christmas period is where they will start to struggle a bit with the erratic fixtures this season. But no, they bring in Jesse Lingard, Thomas Suchek was amazing, Jared Bowen was amazing. They signed Said Ben Rama from Brentford, which is also a quality signing from Championship. Uh, yeah, I truly see West Ham really the. The, the dark horse throughout the whole season, they could have been third, but it did fall off halfway. Um, yeah, other than West Ham, there's not much overachieving. Probably Leeds. 
least when it should be in the first try in the first season but we'll say best yeah. so what, what are your yeah. thoughts on the over and under regime I think I think for myself uh, I agree with you uh, for over uh, two by two over chilling teams I think of course West Ham has to be up there I think West Ham surprised a lot of us we uh, that they were playing and I think the combination up front between Lingard Antonio and uh, you know having Suchek in the team Sergio yeah. Ramos on the bench on matches uh, Declan Rice in midfield yeah. I think the combination yeah I think the combination that they have up there was amazing with Lingard joining them as well yeah. way through the season it helped a lot uh, but of course credit has to be given to Mr Moyes as well for the way that he handled the players and he handled the team uh, overachieved uh, finishing 6 European uh, for European Cup spot that's brilliant and this might be a surprise to you and to those of you listening I feel another overachieving team for this season Newcastle because i you have them i i have them fighting for relegation battle to be very honest yeah this is true i mean when steve bruce got in is under warming coach and yeah the players they signed was somewhat decent i mean kelo wilson yeah. and, and 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 i'm looking through the table right now they finished 12 out of 20 teams yeah. and that's not bad considering Considering all the issues that they had with their owners, yeah. uh, the past season. That's considering, I, I I wouldn't say Steve Bruce is a bad manager, but I think uh, uh, we all know that he's the uh, the that is his hometown club. Newcastle yeah. is his hometown club, and I think he's giving his all. And I think the players are reciprocating by giving their best to him uh, by putting it out on the field. Uh, but to finish 12th, and I had them in a. A relegation battle. It's quite amazing for me, and uh, it's actually much know, more comfortable than what we thought it was. Yeah, true. And I hope, and I hope that there are rumors going around about the takeover from the Saudi consortium and whatnot. I hope that does happen. And uh, if if it does happen, I hope uh, they get better. Yeah, right? definitely. So definitely. my two, yeah, my two overachieving teams, West Ham and Newcastle. The two teams which I felt were a bit of uh, disappoint disappointment this season. It has to be the two North London clubs. Yeah. I feel it has to be Arsenal. It has to be Arsenal, and it has to be Spurs. Why? Yeah. Arsenal for all the hype that uh, bringing Mr Teta in, for all the hype of bringing Willian in, for all the hype of having Enel, uh, not Enelka, you see, for <laughs> having the hype of getting Lacazette in the squad. You know, I think they didn't live up to expectations. I think. Somewhere something is not right down there, and I don't want to speak too much because uh, I don't, you know, I don't know too much details about the club. Uh, Spurs, you know, I I I I supported Spurs from the start of the season. Why? Because my favorite manager of all time, Mourinho, was there, and I think underachieved. I felt they should have finished in the top four, and I felt if Mr. Mourinho was still around, they could have an outside chance of finishing in the. Uh, they could have finished with a trophy. I felt that match, that yeah. final against City, right? Yeah. I didn't yeah. think, I didn't think City had the best of matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very honest. It was a very close game actually. Yeah, and I think with Mr. Mourinho around, they could have finished with a title this season. So again, uh, this is a topic for another day. I think the two underachieving teams has to be the London club 
unfortunately. Uh, you yeah. did mention that you were supporting Spurs this season, specifically because of one man, Jose Mourinho. I just want to touch a bit on him, just a quick one. Were you surprised to see him being sacked, especially during the time, just few days before final, few days after the Super League was being announced, and in the midst of all that, he was being sacked. And they did say he was being sacked due to the mostly due to the inconsistent results, and it seems like they are falling off, which they were at that point of time. Do you agree, sacking? Um, I think you know I don't like the word uh, sacking a manager, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, uh, I think I think uh, we had this discussion off the podcast, right, away from the podcast. And I felt, uh, in all honesty, I love Mourinho. I think he's still the best manager in the world. My thoughts, contra- uh, it might be uh, what they call it controversial. For controversial. Me to say that. Yeah. Uh, these are my thoughts. I think he's still the best manager in the world. But I feel maybe his style has to change a little bit because we have to understand we are in an era where it is very hard to come by players who have that warrior spirit. It is yeah. very hard to get come. It is very hard to come across players who has that fighting spirit nowadays. Uh, we have players who needs to be coaxed. We have players who needs to be yeah. given things, and then yeah. you know, you, you, and and I think with Mr. Mourinho, uh, that's hard to come by. He's more of a tough man. He's yeah. more of a, you know, I give you a task, you get the job done, and then we enjoy it together. But uh, was the uh, was him being like uh, was the set inevitable? I think it was. Uh, results hasn't been good. On you know, I think the the top four, the top four battle. I think the top four battle was up and down because there were a lot of chances for clubs to cement their place in the top four, in the fourth position, especially. But when one team uh, did not have the result, the other team did not have the result as well. Exactly, which I think was down to the inconsistencies and and. And like I said, uh, I think Spurs had all the chance to finish in the top four, but on matches which we felt they should have won, they drew. Yeah. But then, uh, I think if it was down to me, of course I'm not the chairman of Tottenham Hotspurs, uh, <laughs> I would have part. I don't think you want to be Daniel Levy, I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say I, wouldn't say I would have parted with, uh, with Mr. Mourinho, but I felt that the end was coming, but I didn't expect them to let him go just a few days before the cup final. I yeah. think that was a terrible decision. It is. Uh, was a peri- I think that was a bad decision. I think they should have just let him took them to the final and then maybe at the end of the season, part ways. Yeah. I think that would have been a better yeah, I think that would have been a better situation or a better outlook overall for Spurs. Alright, alright. Okay, so now we're yeah. gonna try and move on to focusing a bit on the players. Um who do you think is the most Best player of the season in your case. Who do you think is your player of the season for this season? And which player do you feel is the most underachieving player this season compared to last season? Um, best player to me. Mm, it's hard to say. Uh, people are saying about Ruben Diaz, but unfortunately, I don't see much of Ruben Diaz. I, I'm not saying I didn't see, but. I physically did not watch him much, so I can't say, uh, you know, I cannot say something which I don't see. Um, to me, best player, 
Mm, because of the inconsistencies, you know, it's very difficult. I think for the first part, first half of the season, yeah. first half of the season, I would have to say Harry Kane. Yeah, because the way that he's scoring goals, the way that he was setting up goals, Harry Kane. Second half of the season, I think Jesse Lingard stole the show for me. <laughs> I mean, Jesse Lingard yeah. definitely did stole the show, but speaking about yeah. Harry Kane, um, yeah, it, it hurts as Arsenal fans to talk about rivals like him, but he has been really, really good this season. I mean, Golden yeah. Boot, top assists on both charts, despite having yeah. an underwhelming season for Spurs. It really says a lot. Despite them being out of Europa League by Dino Zagreb, despite them losing in the League Cup final, despite them not having a chance at all fighting for the title, but Harry Kane has been carrying them so, so much this season. Yeah. Uh, next to Harry Kane, I would say uh, definitely Bruno Fernandes. I think Bruno Fernandes is a little bit consistent. Yeah. I know, I hate, I hate talking about rival clubs, right? I don't like talking about rival players. Bruno Fernandes, I know a lot of people like to say that, yeah, he's always a consistent penalty taker, but the thing is that he keeps the teams going, you know, like you see Manchester United without him sometimes, it's a completely very different team. There are matches where they try to put Vanderbilt and Matic or Vanderbilt and Pogba, but they never put Bruno Fernandes in the team. You can see the team just needs something from him. Yeah, so that's another one. Ruben Diaz, yeah, definitely. I watched a few times. He's, he's turning into like a Virgil van Dijk kind of signing by Man City. A high profile, marquee signing, but I'm afraid that an injury, once the injury happened, it will stop the momentum, you know? Anything can happen. Yeah. So, underachieving, my choice, sadly, I would say Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane last season, I love the man. He's so good, even before he joined Liverpool. He's been such a beast in Southampton, but this season, he has become very anonymous. Diogo Jota seems to be much more, even Firmino, I think, has been a little bit more contributing, but then very quiet as well. But Sadio Mane, even he admitted himself that this has been pretty much his struggling worst season so far. What do you think about your underachieving players? Yeah, uh, I think I agree. Sadio Mane, Sadio Mane hasn't had the best of seasons. Why? Inconsistencies again. I think I'll put uh, again. I, I'm not being biased here. Yeah. Uh, these are just uh, names that come out top of it. I, I haven't had the chance to watch all matches. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the names that I'm going to mention are players that uh, I felt could have contributed more to the season for their teams. Yeah. I think uh, one name is Marcus Rashford. I think Marcus Rashford could have contributed more to United. Yeah. Uh, good yeah. again for all the work that he does for his charities and. Uh, or giving food to kids and all that. Yeah. Uh, but on the field, I think he could have contributed more to United. Um, uh, let's see. Son, human son. Yeah. I think. He, he saw I think really Sonny well. could have. Yeah. yeah, I think Sunny could have contributed more. I think he was just feeding off Harry Kane. I think he could have taken the game. I I I I was waiting for Sunny to grab the game by its neck, you know, yeah. and then. Turning, turning to the game, turning the game by his own self. Like what great players do, like what the Cristiano Ronaldo's do, what Lionel Messi does, yeah. where they can take the football match and turn it by on its head by itself. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, Hilton, Marcus Rashford. Mm, uh, what do you think about Aubameyang? Aubameyang last season and the season before, he scores twenty goals. 
East yeah, and this season he's got think... less than 10 goals this season he's been very shallow yeah. man that he was which I'm very I confused think... about yeah, I think I think it's not just down to Aubameyang then I think the problem for Aubameyang is not only him it's a matter of the entire team and the coaching staff I think you know uh, there's this saying which I don't know whether it's true or it's not true different coaches have different takes on this yeah, yeah. Uh, if you have if you have a player let's say example if you have a player like Aubameyang you know, right? to me he's like the Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo for their team Yep, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, he's me, a talisman. He's a talisman. Yeah. yeah, he's a talisman. Correct. He's a talisman for your team, and and if you have a talisman like Aubameyang in your team, why don't you build your team around him? I don't feel and I don't think uh, Mr. Ateta did that. Yeah. I think he was trying to find the hole in the squad. The hole in the squad meaning he was trying to find an absolute piece rather than working around one piece. Yeah, which. It, for some it might be wrong for some it might be right but I think they could have gotten more out of Obamayev and then it doesn't help with uh, Ozil with all the Ozil issues yeah, surrounding yeah, the yeah. club but, but I would say Ateta's yeah, signings if you notice Ateta's signings he doesn't focus on building around Obamayev yet he was focusing yeah. more on the defense he made three signings yeah. he makes uh, Cedric Suarez who is a defender Pablo Mari who is a defender and he's one of the biggest transfer signing, which is Thomas Partey. He's a central defensive yeah. man. So, in terms of attacking-wise, he doesn't sign anyone other than Martin Odegaard and Ceballos on loan, which is doesn't really say or scream attacking-wise to support Obama. Yeah. So, you yeah. can see Ateta is just focusing on defense. But yeah... Uh, and, and- and I think Villian as well, right? Villian was... Villian was a free signing, which... Again, yeah. completely I no idea why. Yeah. When we yeah. signed Pepe on that side, he signed William on that side. It doesn't make sense. So yeah, I think I think William or oh, poor poor season. I think yeah, man. I don't know. It's very difficult. Speaking <laughs> about Arsenal, I got nothing against Arsenal. I got nothing. No, we can talk about Arsenal a, all day, but there will be yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, as as a man who as a guy who's now uh, watching football in general, not supporting any particular club, you know, uh, I feel and I, I do watch, uh, you know, I do watch the uh, fan channels of yeah. uh, <laughs> football club. Yeah. Uh, and I get it, you know, I get the frustration, but sometimes it can be over the top. But it doesn't help the players and it doesn't help the fans. I think That's players right. and fans right. and club, the club fans and players need to come together, sit down talk of a, I wouldn't say talk of a solution, but, yeah. you know, calm things down, focus on the football, yeah. rebuild, and see how it goes. I think it's been a few seasons since Arsenal have had these issues off the field. Yeah. I think they need to, I think they need to restart to focus back on the football and then see how it goes from there. Alright, there's one just last thing that I wanted to ask, and which I believe um, I do hear over podcasts across many, many channels about football. Everyone says, uh, this particular line and I want you to tell me what do you think about it, alright? So, uh, we just talk about underachieving players like Aubameyang, Hume San, Sadio Mane and all that. Uh, even Adama Traore, who is very underwhelming. Yeah. But, yeah. there are people who say that these kind of players will perform well when there's fans. Do you think fans is a major contributing part over all of their consistency performances? Okay. Uh, For example, Aubameyang has been pretty much what they call the showman. 
they call him the showman because yeah. he he yeah. likes to have fans around he likes to entertain he likes to score give unique celebrations that's him that's his style so the moment yeah. when there's no fans at all this season from the start till the end he become a shell of a man so do you think yeah. that point valids for footballers or is it just a reason for them to say that it's a bad season Um okay again this might sound controversial yeah? yeah I know people will get angry with me when I say this uh hey, it's only for the and we triggering people so. yeah yeah see uh I was a former player myself and uh, now I'm I, I'm a coach I'm a coach um you see there is a difference when fans are in the stadium there's no doubt about that definitely there, even the like you feel but uh, this is where the controversy might come in um you feel the fans when things are going well when things are going well the electricity in the stadium it's buzzing yeah. the players will feel the vibe players will go come on man the fans are with us let's yeah. go let's go, let's yeah, go. but if you get but when you get fans back in the stadium let's quote an example when the first match the last first match at the yeah. Tottenham stadium yeah. half time the players wasn't playing well they get booed Yeah. They get booed off the field half time. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. They were losing Leicester at one point, yeah. I can I can bet with you in some of the players' heads walking down towards the tunnel, they would have wished that there were no fans in the stadium. Right? Do you think it's just uh, pressure? Is it just less pressure when they play okay. fans? See, I I'll, I'll be very honest. If it's uh, you know, They are playing for high stakes, yeah. yeah. Right? They are playing. Yeah. They are playing at the high stakes. Uh, if for me, uh, if I was a player, I think uh, if I were to play without fans, of course it's less pressurizing. Who are you? Uh, they are this. Yes, you have uh, millions and millions and millions of people watching on TV at home. Yeah. Yes, but you don't have people in the stadium shouting at you, yeah, shouting no vulgarities no at you. There's none. Yeah. That's not yeah, so yeah. I don't think I don't think there's much pressure compared to when fans are in the stadium if fans are in the stadium then there's a huge difference mm-hmm. with fans not being in the stadium I think I think they should feel less pressurized unless they put it upon themselves and say things like but we don't have many players nowadays who are like that yeah. where they put it upon themselves uh to I don't know it's for me to say yeah, yeah but Yeah, if you ask me, uh, if a player were to come out and say, you know, we didn't have the best of years because the fans are not in the stadium, yeah. I call that. I call that. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't buy that because, please, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. Football players in England, at the very least, okay, uh, the mid-level players playing in the Premier League, they are at least getting paid eighty thousand dollars, eighty thousand pounds a week. Yeah. The youngest players. Youngsters, the youngsters, maybe they're getting sixteen or twenty thousand pounds per week. Yeah. Um, and that's just amateur football, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Twenty sixteen, twenty thousand pounds a week, uh, and you can't give your best on the field. And you're saying because of the fans not being in the stadium, you can't give your best. Dude, you're getting paid tons and tons of money, man. That's you true. should be putting your life on the. You should be putting your life. Uh, you should be giving your whole life when you're playing a match, man. Yeah. And bearing in mind you have millions and millions minutes, of people yeah, watching at home. Well, I think I don't buy players not playing to the best of their potential uh, when fans are not around. But again, I get it. If people say because the vibe is not there, I get it. But 
uh, the percentage swings towards even with fans or without fans in the stadium I think I think they should be giving the 100% but yeah. would you say the same case for this? Would you apply this same case to the local football right now that we are currently having? Because yes, like yeah. what you said, with the amount of money the players are being earned, they should definitely play more for the badge and for the company that pays you that high for, for the skills that you have. Yeah. So, in local wise, we know we're not earning yeah. like that. But would you consider that we fans, that local players will perform better in the Singapore Premier League? Or would you still say that maybe without fans, they can play without any pressure and they can still perform? What do you have to say about that? I think, okay, for local context, yeah, I think uh, both of us know uh, what's happening, what's been happening throughout the years in the uh, local football scene, in the S-League or now. It is getting better, yeah? I support the SPL now because I'll be very honest, I haven't been supporting them for years because of what's been going on behind the scenes. I think it's been rubbish. But uh, now I think it's picking up and it's getting better. Only now, starting from last season, that I really pay attention to the SPL back and I'm very happy to do that. Uh, to answer your question, I think it needs a, uh, uh, it needs a restructuring process for the SPL. All right. And because the players in the SPL, they have been used to playing without crowds. Let's be honest. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but but but, uh, but if you were to relate your football experiences, like you did play for Tampines yeah. Rovers, and I do remember yeah. Tampines Rovers and Geelong pretty much as one of the strong base fan base yeah. in Singapore. Yeah. Uh, next to probably Home United, and back then there was SCFFC, which was changed to Warriors, and then now it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have played with fans before. You have played with fans, especially during Tampines versus Geelong. I'm sure you remember the crowd at least. Yeah. Now yeah. imagine that and now, do you still feel like you can still perform in the highest level or no? Um, okay, again, like I said, yeah, we at, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, for those of you, I'll bring you back in time. Back then, Tampini Stadium, the old Tampini Stadium, easily we could have fitted, I think, 3,000, 4,000 people yeah. in the stadium. Uh, if it's a big match, we have full crowd, both under the terraces yep. and uh, the open terraces, right? But back then, yeah, and but back then you have to understand, yeah, for is and this I'm talking 2011, 2012, 2013, yeah. those years. Yeah, I felt those years were the peak for Singapore football. I felt besides 1996, 1997, 1998 when this uh, league was just starting. Yeah, and I might be biased because I was playing for Tampines and uh, Tampines had one of the huge crowd. Yeah, definitely. But. I don't remember, uh, again, this might be controversial, uh, players have a job to do in matches, right? We have matches, but uh, we have our tasks to do in matches. We don't focus much on the fans. Um, uh, uh, we all know, uh, it depends on the coaches. Coaches open up their football philosophy to entertain. Yeah. Some coaches, Mr. Mourinho in mind, go out to matches to win. They don't care about entertainment. Yeah. They don't care about pleasing the fans. They just want to win. Yeah. Uh, for Tampines, back then, we had neither. I feel, uh, this is coming from me. We had yeah. neither. That's, we had no obligation to entertain. Yeah, we had, we had no obligation to entertain the fans. And we had no obligation to... I won't say we have no obligation. The obligation is always to yeah. win. Tampines, the obligation is but to win. It's not win the main objective. The players, the yeah, the main objective is to be champions. Yeah. The objective is to win. Uh, how you win 
I won't say doesn't matter as much, but Tennis was famous for playing in a three-five-two formation, something different. Yeah. Back then, right? And it worked, and we were champions for two years straight, if I'm not wrong. And I was in group, and I'm very happy. It is yeah. something that I will never get anywhere uh, anymore in my time as a player, yeah. as a coach. And if you ask me now in this modern context, would fans help the SPL? Of course, man. Of course, you could see last season before the pandemic happened. First match of the season, Lion City Sailors against Tanjung Pagar, Jurong East Stadium. It was you saw packed. the terraces. It was packed. It was and packed. Because it was amazing one, felt, to see that for once. Yes, and for me, the hype was caused of Lion City Sailors rebranding from Home United, yep. and I think the interest grew uh, in Singapore football, and I think. Now, uh, just the previous week, uh, the last SPL match uh, on YouTube, yeah. we had around 400 or 500 people on YouTube watching matches. Yeah. Of course, that number is not huge, but it's getting there, man. It's it getting is, there. It's, it's a feel, growing number. It's a growing number. Yeah, and I feel if if finally if the pandemic slows down and things get better, trust me, we will get people into the stadium. There will be people, and hopefully, uh, with rumors going around about privatization of the league, privatization of the teams, with that happening, with money getting pumped into the league, with the money getting pumped to the teams, better players coming into the teams, getting yeah. into the leagues, yeah. for sure the crowd will come in. For sure, definitely, definitely. I mean, definitely. Yeah. What you say is true. I have to touch a bit on the way uh, the things that you said about restructuring the format of the Singapore League. So now we have come to the Singapore League. Now let's focus on that because they are having a season right now. Currently, as of now, yeah. I believe it's eleven uh, or twelve games have been played in the yeah. Singapore Premier League. So yeah. looking at that table, a very huge contrast between the top four and the bottom four. But what do you think yeah. about the season so far? If you have to summarize so far. Okay, I have the uh, table in front of me. Oh here. yeah, the stats. Yeah, top four we have Albrex. Uh, Lions, the Steelers, Haugang, Tampines Rovers. Yeah. Bottom four, we have Balestier, Gelang, Tanjung Young Lions. I think, as of at this moment, the bottom four team, there's not much difference in them. Uh, we can't separate them yeah, much because yeah. I think, looking at them, Balestier, Gelang, Tanjung Pagar, you can't separate them as much because I feel the quality of football is about the same. Okay. Young Lions, Young Lions, yes, they are at the bottom of the table. But if people were to watch Young Lions, their football good. is quite good. They, good. they are trying to play football. It's just unlucky. I won't say unlucky because their program is different to the other clubs in the league. Yeah, yeah. Their program is development. Uh, they are trying to play football. Uh, they are being positive on the ball. We do see strings of passes now in matches. Yeah. I think kudos have to uh, have to be given to Coach Philip. And his coaching staff, yeah. uh, they are trying to play positive football, which is brilliant. Uh, Tanjung Pagar, Gelang, um, Gelang. <laughs> I was ex- uh, Gelang. I'll be very honest. I'm expecting a lot of things from them. Not performing. Balestier. I'm actually quite surprised. I was expecting Balestier to maybe push for the, you know, uh, push for the. Four position and up uh, with Coach Marco there, yeah. Coach Milko there, and I think they're not as such top four. I'll try to for uh, Albrex. We know be somewhere up there. Uh, 
But surprise of the season, how government? How government? Mm. The last game against. Yeah, I guess that means it was a frantic 3-2 match. That was a good If you saw the third goal, my goodness, uh, that is the type of that is the type of football that I aspire to play for with my teams. Counter attacking, winning runners, Hafiz Sujat scoring the third goal, I believe, or was it yeah. Idraki? I can't remember. It was Idraki. It was Idraki. Running, yeah, third man running, Idraki. I don't. Hafiz had a great run. Take a shot against the post. Idraki followed up with the pitch. Brilliant surprise of the season so far. How brilliant! Uh, it is. It is. Yeah. So to touch yeah. a bit about Singapore football, um, yeah, like we we saw the huge contrast and young lions. You did mention young lions are playing better football. I mean, to be honest, I was very surprised that Lion City Sailors find it very hard to break them in their last game. They just won one zero, considering the fact that Against you know they have. Men. We have ridiculous score line like eight nil and five ones and yeah. all that. But I guess the young lions they are very resilient. That's one. Uh, but what do you think about the franchise of Lion City Sailors? Ever since they come in, they have become a dominant up front, fighting for the title. Closest I would say to fight against our Rex. With Haugang yeah. and Tampines chasing just behind them. What do you think about yeah. the whole structure of that club alone? Having rebrand, rename. Fresh face. They even just signed quality players like Haris Harun joining, Shaki Hamza. I believe Shaki Hamza was joining, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So they they made some decent quality signing into the league again. So do you think that with this signing, it will make the fans, especially the fans of ICT Sailors, to grow more, or or does it just try to win Albirex off? From the Singapore Premier League title, what 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 do you think about Lion City Sailors in general about the whole club structure change? I think, <coughs> excuse me. I think with Lion City Sailors, uh, with the whole rebranding thing, uh, money being pumped in into the club. Uh, if it's me, uh, if it's up to me, I would say they should not just focus on the SPL. They should focus on dominating Southeast Asia first, yeah, and yeah, then definitely. maybe. Maybe three or four years down the road, think of dominating Asia because I think that should be the way. I think I don't know about statistics with regards to financial uh, powerhouses in Asia, but I think they should be up there, man. Yeah, I think yeah. they should be up yeah, there. Definitely. Uh, I think in I think in Southeast Asia, they're now one of the richest in Southeast Asia. I believe yeah. they should be. Yeah. They should be one of the richest in Southeast Asia. Premier League, uh, uh, the Singapore Premier League. Yeah. So. I think if, if people, if if people were to narrow it down as simple as it is, they should be, uh, they should be clear winners of the SPL. But uh, from a coaching perspective, from a person who has been in the scene for quite some time, we have to give Lion City Sailors a little bit more time because uh, the rebranding just happened. Uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. Okay, and. You know, give them some time to solidify their structure, to solid, uh, to uh, you know, work on in-house matters. And as Singaporeans, of course, every one of us support our teams. We have our local teams, but as Singaporeans, we should be proud that we have a team like this in Singapore who's uh, who knows uh, putting putting the standards up for Singapore football. You know, they even they even working on their own. Uh, they're building. They're building their own uh, academy structure and their own training pitches and whatnot. 
You know, and this is something that is unheard of in Singapore football yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. since 1996. So we should give them a chance, man. I would say very powerful in financially pumping in and all. Do you think that other clubs will struggle even more and it's going to be such a one-sided league other than just Lion City Sailors and Albi Rex compared to the rest? Like, is it going to be very one-sided league? I understand. I think for people that say, uh, okay, again, this might be controversy. Con- controversial, I'm going to start calling you Mr. Controversial. Yeah, I think I think for people that says Lion City Sailors are going to buy the league, I think it's not true. Uh, let's face it, and let's be okay. Let's be honest, and let's face it. Um, every club in the world need money, man. Every every club in the world needs money. That's true. Uh, just look at the EPL. Just look at the EPL for uh, yeah. And um, how do I want to put it? Uh, it's up if it's up to me. Right? If it's me, if I'm an opponent of the Lion City Sailors project, I shouldn't be saying, oh, okay, uh, they have all the money, I'm done, they're going to win the league, that's that. I believe Gavin doesn't think like that. Yeah. I believe uh, I believe uh, Coach Clement doesn't think like that. Yeah. I believe uh, the LPX coach, Chike Tomi, doesn't think like that. Yeah. I believe it should, it should act as a fire, you know, it should act as a fire for the rest of the teams to compete against Lion City Sailors and I think uh, Coach Robin, the interim coach now he mentioned that every club every club should be trying to knock them off their perch yeah definitely right and I think uh, with regards to this as you were saying as you were talking just now I was saying now it's up to the clubs it's up to Tampines it's up to uh, Haugang it's up to it's and all the local clubs to Elbeck it's up to the people who are working in the clubs to find sources, to find resources, to find yeah. uh, means and ways to find money from the club. So now, the people working in the club under the finances sector or under the finance uh, department, you got your work cut out for you, man. Go and find the sources. Yeah. Go and find the money. Go and find the income. Go and compete. Because only then, we'll, when, 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 I won't say, I won't say they're going to run with the league. That's yeah. not yeah. been the case now. It hasn't yeah. been the case after eleven match. They're not running away with the league. Yeah. It's not. Definitely. They are not. Right? And it's proven. They are not buying the league because you know the the the, 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 the table shows us yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. running away with the league. So I think it's on the owners of the uh people in the finance departments or the clubs or the other clubs, go and find your sponsors, go and find your resources. Find money to, to, to help your club and then compete. Only when that happens, then we will have a stable, uh, we will have a healthy competition in the league. Yeah, I definitely. Think. I think I can see what you're trying to say. Maybe it's a little bit like find money with money. If they're going to spend, yeah. I'm going to spend. Then see who can win. But do you think that Correct. City Sailor is going to be slowly like, kind of like how the Galaticos in Real Madrid, sort of like a Whoa. club that maybe Asia or local Singapore players would want to play for? 
because let's face it they were their former club was home united agree that home united yeah. is not any type of club it's a club with history there's a lot of yeah. history in their home united a lot of legend players that have played in the league i can name a few agma wazave shijai uh, lucas perez indra shadan made famous as well so yeah like It's a club. It's a historical club. So, do you think that with this rebranding, refranchise, rewriting a new history because of the coming, well, pretty much modern football and football change, do you think that players would look at Lion City Sailors as a more exciting project than staying in a historical club that has made a name for itself, like Tampines Rovers, um, Geelong, or even Haugang? Actually, Haugang may be a, a lot of name changes along the way. But if you talk about yeah. a name stayer, there will be like Tampines Rovers. So do you think, yeah. given a choice, would you go for a club that is historical, stable base, or would you go for a new, fresh, exciting project like Lion City Sales? Okay, let's face it, Faiz. Uh, cut it down straight to. Let's face it. What do players need at the end of the day? They need to feel safe. They need to feel secure. They need their family to be in check. They need to be well taken care of. They need to be. Their families need to be taken care of. They need to be well taken care of. And how do players get well taken care of? By money. Unfortunate. Yeah. It's yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, it is a fact. Right? It's a fact of it. It's a fact, and it's a fact. We need money, yeah. right? And let's take an example. I I don't want to quote names. I I cancel. I don't want to speak about that. Okay. Yeah. If you ask me, you were saying. You were saying. Uh, you were saying. Uh, would players prefer to go for the Lion City project, Lion yeah. City Sailors project, as compared to Tampines? You know, if it's, I I I, I just put it down to me. If it's up to me, number one, I will question, what is the project? Number two, I will question, how are they going to support my family? Number three, I will question, what are the chances of them being, uh, what are the chances of them being, uh, successful in their project and whatever that they put out to me? Right. If I think. If all these three are in check, why shouldn't I? Yeah. Why shouldn't I? If my family is being well taken care of, if they're in the top competition, if they are, uh, if they can prove that they are being successful at, uh, in what they are doing, then why not? Yeah. Let's quote an example: JDT. Yeah. Let's take look. Let's take a look at JDT. Why are the top players? Why are the top players going to JDT? They are well taken care of. They have top facilities. They have a good boss. They have good ownership. They have a good structure. And they will taken care of. Like I said again, in point number one, yep. at the end of the day, we have to understand that a footballer's career is very short. Yeah, it's very short unless you're uh, the Japanese King Kazu, yeah. a fifty plus. Fifty plus. Yeah, King Kazu. Yeah, but we don't. <laughs> yeah, but we don't have that. We don't have that in Singapore, yeah, right? Ex- so, yeah, exactly. As as but as I mean, as, can be the as next a football Jerry. player, Jerry has been playing around very long. Yeah, but as a football player, I understand what you're asking, but is but. You know, sooner or later, we let's talk about the highest competition in Asia, Asian Champions League. Yeah, that's right. the biggest prize. Sooner or later, sooner or later, Lion City Sailors will end up in the Asian Champions League position. Sooner or later, that's going to happen. Yeah. We all know. Yeah, we, we can kind of see it happening happen, right? in the future. Yeah, yeah, with the players that they have, with the sources, uh, with the resources that they have, with the money that they. It's going to happen, and if I'm a football player, if I'm an upcoming player, uh, again, I want to quote names. If I'm, I, I wanted to quote name, but I decided not to. I don't want to. I don't want to speak on their behalf. But if I'm an upcoming player, 
I will be looking at that project, man. Yeah. They have good facilities. They gonna have good facilities, man. They have good facilities, and if my family is well taken care of, they're playing in good competitions. Why not? Straight to the chase. As simple as that. Alright, thank you so much. Yeah. Alright, so uh, before we just wrap things up, of course, uh, we're coming towards the end of the time. Um, of course, there will yeah. be more to talk about in the coming podcast. So, Europa League final coming up just, well, as yeah. I was recording today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, as a menu fan or former Man United fan, uh, of course, we are talking about football in global general. So, uh, Europa League final, what do you think about the Europa League final so far? Manchester United versus Villarreal. I want United to lose. <laughs> is it a personal vendetta because of what they did with Mourinho, okay. or is it just a? Yes. <laughs> okay, I'll be very honest. Let's be very honest, yeah. I think everyone would expect United to win, but I'm always for the underdog story. I would. I'm always for the underdog story. Villarreal has never won a major trophy in. I read earlier. I I just read earlier. I think in eighteen years they yeah. never won a major trophy. I think yeah. so. I think so. I might be wrong. The last time I think they won something was when Marcos Senna was in the team. Yes. You remember Marcos yes. Senna, right? I yep. think I think they won. That was the last time they won the Yellow Submarines. I remember that. Um, I didn't know. I don't know which year that was, but I remember maybe was, the last um, time they won was when Marcos Senna was in the that team. That was the early 2000s. Right. I think so. Yeah. So, I'm more. I'm I'm more for the historical part. Uh, of course, everyone would expect United to win. I don't want them to win just because I love the underdog story. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, technically, it could be underdog story for Ole as well. Ole has never won a major trophy throughout his managerial career, so this could be his first and major trophy in his career. What do you think about it? Okay. Um. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult. It's difficult for me to speak about United and Ole right now because I think. Okay. This is again. This is coming from me. It might sound controversial. I don't understand how can you get a manager who has ever been relegated from the Premier League to lead a club like United. I don't understand. Yes, yes, he was a former player, but I think he got the job handed to him rather than him. So is it more like a sentiment kind of approach? Sentiment <sighs> reason why they actually hired him. <sighs> I think if I'm being perfectly honest, I think they brought him in to appease the fans because they know the board of directors, the men, the owners know that the fans are not happy with them, so they bring someone that uh, they can appease the fans too, like how Arsenal did it with Ateta. I feel. No, uh, actually, like nobody expected Arsenal to. Nobody yeah. expected Ateta to be the uh, manager for Arsenal. We were calling for Allegri. Yeah. We were calling for those bigger, experienced name. But yeah. when Ateta comes in and is his first ever job. None of us expected yeah. it, really. Right? Yeah, but we but give I a think, benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I think I think the trend nowadays is for club owners to bring in former players to appease the players and then work around it later. But again, having said all that, a good on Ole, uh, uh, him and his coaching staff. I don't want to say him because I strongly believe that his coaching staff are the one doing more of the work. He's calling the shots, but his coaching staff is the one doing more of the work. Yeah. So credit to him, credit to Mr. Unai Emery for all the flag that he got at Arsenal. He's proving his doubters wrong with a club like Villarreal, a small town club, making yeah. it to the UEFA Cup final. Brilliant. Yeah. If Ole does win it, brilliant. Good job to him. If Mr. Unai Emery does it, 
I will over the moon. <laughs> but but don't you find yeah. it a little bit surprising that okay, Una Emery has been pretty much what we all call the Europa League specialist. He has won three yeah. times back to back with Sevilla. He now he reaches the final with Arsenal, and now he reaches the final with Villarreal. He has done it with two different clubs to the Europa yeah. League final, which is very impressive compared to all these side. Yeah. But how ironic do you think, or how do you, how do you feel the chances of him winning? Back when he was in Arsenal in the Europa League final against Chelsea, as compared to now he in Villarreal against Man United, do you think the odds in Arsenal compared to Villarreal now? I mean, come, uh, let's face it that his last final is a very, very terrible loss. It's four-one against yeah. Chelsea. So do you think he will take yeah. the experience and he can actually push the club to the end, or will it be a factor again? Against an English club like Man I think I think we should not take uh, his experience into account because he has his experience. He has won uh, Europa Cup Championship finals before. Yeah. Right. He has yeah. done that. Okay. The final. Okay. We all understand. He took his Arsenal squad. Played against Chelsea. Uh, lost for one. That was Mauricio Sarri's uh, title as a coach. Yeah. Um. But people forget the brilliance of Eden Hazard in the squad. For Chelsea, that's true. That match, he was brilliant. Giroud was brilliant in that match. Jorginho hurts brilliant. me a lot, but yeah. And yeah, but you see, and I feel okay. Fine, this is coming from me. I think the amount of pressure that he had while he was at Arsenal, compared to the amount of pressure that he has now at Villarreal, are two completely different things. It's, it's very two different. Very different, things. different yeah. At Arsenal, people were expecting him to win because. It's an EPL club. Yeah. At Villarreal, it's different. At Villarreal, it's a small town club coming from Spain. Yeah. If you win, if you win, it's a dream for them if they were to win. That's true. Arsenal, you're expected to win. There's a difference there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. So, so I feel uh, it's 50-50. Going into the final, I think both teams, uh, of course, United has the better players. They are touted to win. They have to win. If they don't win, I think... I don't want to say about anyone getting fed, but <laughs> I think, it, 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 I yeah, think I mean, we'll come back in the next episode. We're definitely going to talk about yeah. the match, but yeah. like, give, us your give us your prediction. Give us your prediction. My prediction, I don't know. I don't want to say about scoreline, but uh, I, I want to go for Villarreal Winman. By penalties, I think. I think. By penalties? I guess Bruno yeah, Fernandez by with penalty? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think I don't know man I think why I don't know why but uh, I I hope it goes down to penalties yeah. uh, for as a football lover as, yeah. a, as a person who loves football yeah we all uh, love dramatic drama story, yes. yeah a dramatic story an underdog story and then Villarreal wins uh, the shootout celebrate and uh, they zoom in on Oli's face all sulky and stuff <laughs> uh, they'll make it they'll do it for me Alright, alright. Okay, yeah. um, I'll go my prediction with Man, Man United winning 2-1 after extra time. Maybe it could be a last-minute okay. heartbreak for Villarreal. Reason why... I don't know, against with Arsenal, I mean Arsenal, as Arsenal fan, I watch against Villarreal. Um, I do see Unai Emery making mistakes, especially in the first leg. The first leg, Villarreal could have killed Arsenal off way off. But because the moment they got 2-0, they bring off all the attackers, they just want to play out for the score and let it 2-0. And then in the second leg, just keep it at nil-nil. So, 
I might afraid that when I may, may have some mistakes again in it. But we shall see. Yeah. So with yeah. that said, uh, we're wrapping things up in our first ever episode for Football Focus SG podcast. Firstly, I want to thank you, Harunaji, for joining always, and also hopefully in the future there will be more guests and more people coming join with us in our podcast. Uh, for those yeah. viewers, don't forget to join. Uh, don't forget to comment, like, share, and subscribe throughout our channels, throughout everything. Do follow us in Facebook, Twitter. There will be a page. There will be a uh, things that you guys can follow. Anything we would let you know. So the question of the day that I would like to give to all the viewers and maybe including yourself, Arun Azri, will be, um, what made you love football? What club do you first support and what match do you first watch? You can share with us then. You can share with us a little bit. What are the memories that you remember from the first time and what made you? What makes you love football? So with that being said, thank you so much, Arun Azri, for joining. We'll see you next episode. All right, man. See you guys. Take care. Stay safe.